I'm Margaret Feinberg, and this is The Joycast. Oh, friends, what a week it's been. I think if you walked into our home right now, you'd think, uh, what exploded here? I mean, friends, there is stuff everywhere. Piles of mail, unfiled receipts, so many undone projects and unmade beds. I have this tendency that when something needs to be done, I just leave a part of it out on a countertop, thinking that seeing that thing will help me get it done. The problem is when I don't get it done, there's one and two and they multiply like bed bugs. It's out of control. Not to mention that, but even the laundry pile is toppling over on itself. And I will get to it. It's just been, there's so much going on. Well, if I'm really honest with you, I know exactly when I will get it all cleaned up. Approximately 23 minutes before the next person comes to our house. Now, that person may be a repair person or someone coming to drop something off, but when I know something or someone is coming, I mean, it's like a fire is lit underneath me. I become this crazy lady and will start wiping down, picking up, cleaning like a madwoman. Oh, I'll leave at least one pile somewhere so that you know that I'm human, but I'm not so sure I want you to see all of my piles. Anyone ever wrestle with this? Maybe you're the person that doesn't let people into their apartment or home at all. Maybe you're the one who hides the detail that you're still living at your parents. Or maybe like me, you're the one who races around like a Tasmanian devil trying to pick up everything at the very last minute. Or maybe you're the one whose house is always perfect. My friend and today's guest, Michael Ann Smith, also known as The Nester, has challenged me to reflect on our home and how often it's reflective of the access we give others to our lives. Sometimes we may even find that where we live and how we portray ourselves to others, it's actually a litmus test to our own vulnerability. For those of you who have been journeying along in more power to you, break free from fear and take your life back, you know that I've wrestled with perfectionism, thinking everything has to be perfect before someone can visit. I've broken free from a lot of it, but definitely not all of it. And that's why today's conversation with Michael and Smith is so important. In her new book, Welcome Home, A Cozy Minimalist Guide to Decorating and Hosting All Year Round. She shares simple strategies that we can use to create inviting homes and inviting hearts to everyone around us. And honestly, so much of that begins with paying attention to what we're paying attention to. And honestly, this conversation could not be more timely for the holidays. So pull up a chair to this rich conversation. Michael, it is such a delight to have you on the Joycast. Oh, I am absolutely thrilled to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I wish we were in the same room. I know. That would be so magical especially if it was your room, because you make everything more beautiful. Oh my goodness. That's so kind. So 
Your new book, Welcome Home, walks readers through this cozy minimalist guide to decorating and hosting all year round. And you make things practical and designable for people like me, which is pretty stinking magical. (laughs) I really like to kind of distill down all the fears we have about decorating. I think all of our lives were like, oh, you know, making a pretty house is supposed to be fun. And so the moment it gets hard, we feel like we're doing it wrong. And I don't believe that at all. Really, all decorating is, is making logical decisions in the right order. And when we know the right order, and when we feel confident in what we like, it makes it so much easier and anyone can do it. Mm, And it makes it fun. It does. So much life. Now, I think that when we talk about this idea of of hospitality and having people over and, and allowing people into our homes, which I know you tell this incredible story about a friend who you were with and she asked to use the bathroom and and you gave her a rather startling response, I believe. Yes, I love the story. It took me a few years to be okay telling this story. But um, years ago, when my husband and I were first married, we lived in a little town and we were renting a house and there were lots of things about the house that if I would have had the money or the time or even the knowledge, I would have loved to change. And the truth is I didn't have, like, I just figured if I can't change everything, if I can't change everything like to perfection, then I guess I'm stuck and I can change nothing. And so I lived in a house that honestly, I was really embarrassed of, and I didn't know what to do with that. And it was, I mean, it was Uh, One of the oldest homes in the town that we lived in needed a lot of updates. It was a rental. And I can remember going out with a new friend uh, from church and her dropping me back off of the house and asking if she could use the bathroom. And the bathroom was like one of the worst rooms in our house, not because it was filthy or I wasn't the cleanest person. Well, maybe I wasn't, uh, but because it looked like I mean, I think I say in the book, it looked like a serial killer grew up in there, like just for Micah. (laughs) And I think there were some weird angles and the shower was weird. And this particular girl, I had been to her house and it was new and it was really pretty. And I suddenly was like really vulnerable and really, well, actually the opposite of that. Like I felt like I didn't want her to see it. And so I told her no. And at the time, like all these red flags went up and I couldn't put my finger on what the issue was. I thought I was being so like protective of myself to not let her see what was happening in our house was just that we're a new couple living in a rental that a teacher can afford as opposed to something that maybe someone else can afford. Uh, Instead of saying, I trust you with that. I tried to hide that. I was super ashamed and I had a lot of weird feelings with that. And really, when it comes down to it, what I was telling my friend was, I cannot trust you with the truth. And that really is what, when we um, are not open and honest with our imperfections, that's truly what we're saying. And looking back now, I would have had, she would be totally trustworthy. Like that would have probably solidified our friendship so much. She was a wonderful gal. We never got that close probably because I did not let her in to truly know what was happening in our lives. And so uh, I really regret that. But I think it's such a good, I think a lot of us can maybe relate to that in some way or on some level of 
maybe expecting this perfection for ourselves, but yet not even maybe pushing that on other people. A lot of times people that um, have issues with feeling like things have to be perfect, where we have a lot higher standards for ourselves than we even have for others. I know I wrestle with that. I, w- a more current example is uh, during COVID, we've been uh, gathering with a group of friends and doing social distance concerts. And so sitting uh, six feet apart and, you know, we play Alexa and whoever has yard it's in gets to pick the food and everybody brings their own food, but they bring that style of food. And so this has been going on for a few months and they were like, so when are you going to host? And I just have to tell you, our yard looks so terrible. (laughs) I mean, it is brown. There are weeds. We've got dead spots. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a jungle has taken over and we just haven't had the time and energy to really, to make it what we want it to be. And finally, I just had to say, wait a second, you know what? This is, this is who we are. And and I've, you know, I, so they're coming uh, in the next few weeks and, and I'm super excited about it. And I will admit that we did go get some sod and try to fix a couple of the patches, but I thought, why do I care so much about what our friends think about our yard? It is a strange phenomenon. I think, I think there is that sense. And I love what you say about it. You say hospitality is a high form of trust. It says, here's my mess. Here are my unfinished things. And here's the truth about me. Knowing you better is worth knowing me better. Absolutely. I feel like we should all have on our front door, like, Welcome to our home where things aren't perfect. We trust you can relate. And that is really what opening our door is saying is that we're volunteering our trust and we're going first. Like whoever opens their door up first, uh, whether it's like your literal door to your house or just sharing something that's real going on in your house, uh, really is like kind of breaking down that barrier. And I don't know about you, but I know if I were feeling weird about my yard and then you invited me to yours and thank the Lord it wasn't perfect, I would like you so much better. It's almost like we're scanning around looking for an imperfection that we can relate to. So we know, okay, phew, they're human too. I like them. It's true. I know I've shared with my listeners before when people come over inside our house, I always leave a messy pile on the dining room table. I want them to see that we're human. I want to communicate that to them. I just, have never gotten through the issue that now I have yard issues that I have to work through and be like, no, 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 no. It's it's the same there as it is inside. But I think one of the lies that we believe is that we do have to be perfect, that we have to hold it all together. Where do you think that that false belief kind of seeps into our lives? How have you, do you wrestle with that? And if so, how have you confronted it in your own life? Well, my mom's not going to listen to this. So I will say, <laughs> Honestly, I think just the just growing up and for me, I think it was probably my mom and hearing her voice feelings about her own house and our home and having people over and just kind of adopting that is like, oh, that must be how I'm supposed to feel. And then becoming an adult and then hearing myself say those same things and realizing later like, oh, wait a second. Is that really truly what I believe? And then thinking about my own kids hearing that. It's especially powerful as an adult when I hear those maybe false thoughts or lies, when I hear them repeated by someone like my own age. I know I had an experience um, about 10 years ago where I went to someone's house and it was really beautiful, well-appointed house. Like She has great taste and she welcomed us in and then she started apologizing, like just for simple things like, oh, I'm so sorry we haven't finished that room yet and we haven't finished painting that wall yet. Oh, this kitchen looks terrible. And 
in the back of my mind, first of all, I was like, her house is beautiful. I would love to be living here. But I also knew this is exactly what I do. And it almost took hearing someone else um, apologize for their house and their life and where they were to really help me realize like, oh, I do the same thing. And I want to quit apologizing for what we've been given. And like, it just, it, I felt was really like convicted of the lack of gratitude that I had by constantly apologizing for our home. Mm, that is so insightful. I think, you know, when I was doing research for Taste and See um, and studying hospitality, I realized that I have this, this terrible habit um, that when people are coming over, I go into this like frenetic, like run around the house, pick everything up, clean it up, put it all in its proper place. And, and it's like, where did I learn that? Honestly, I, I too was passed down from my mom who was probably passed down from her mom that was passed down. I mean, and you have, and I realized I've got to stop. Like, no, the, the imperfection is what makes us human. It's what makes us endearing. It's what makes us likable. It, what makes us real. And it is so free when you start to embrace that. It is. And, and, I have started to see it as a part of hospitality, an important part. Like you said, how, you know, you make sure something in your house isn't perfect. Like, I think that is not only like a great idea, but it's like vital to make sure that we are sharing some parts of our life that are imperfect. And the visual is really such a great place to begin with. It just kind of breaks down those like, aha, I see who I'm dealing with when I come in this house. And I like that. And I can relate to that. It, the imperfections, they truly put people at ease. And that is what hospitality relationships are all about. I mean, even if that's just with ourselves, I know just being, um, graceful to myself and allowing imperfections. Like if we can't do that with ourselves, we certainly can't do that with our family or with our friends that we have over. And so it really starts with giving grace to ourselves and allowing imperfections, allowing us to take risks in our house, paint the color, uh, put the nail hole in the wall. Like if you can't do that, how are you going to take a risk and, uh, you know, maybe apply for that job you've been looking at or move cross country or go on that trip or whatever it is like those small little risks those embracing imperfections, like home is such a great place to foster those skills that we need um, and that really bring us into our best life. And I think it also, what you're tapping into is also the importance of vulnerability. You know, one of the daily declarations I say every day is this idea that God's power is perfected in my vulnerability. You know, Paul said, you know, my power, his, God's power is perfected in our weakness, but, but it is, it, it's those moments when we're, we, we try, we make mistakes, we have areas that we'd rather not reveal, but when we do, we allow love to seep in rather than to block it out. I love that. And I love the fact that we can kind of baby step our way <laughs> into that uh, because being vulnerable, like we can't be vulnerable with everyone in the world. Some people aren't trustworthy, but usually those aren't the people that we're inviting into our home or that are dropping us off and asking to use our bathroom. And so taking those little baby steps of maybe just sharing a little part that's not perfect in your life and seeing how someone reacts. That's been um, really helpful to me to know, like, it's not just all or nothing. <laughs> One of the things that I love about your book and your whole mindset is that you call yourself the cozy minimalist, but, but that idea of minimalism. And if you came to our house, you'd probably say, uh, Margaret and Leif, you need to buy some more stuff. Like it is, it is bare bones. We, we love open 
tables and just clear areas and and all of that. But I think one of the things that minimalism does is it fights back against kind of this lie that we believe that I am what I own, I am what I buy, I am what I consume. For those who are listening and, and struggle and, and say, you know what, I just I have a lot of stuff. I, I've got bins uh, for all the seasons. I've got so many things. What kind of wisdom do you have for them? Well, I I love your example, and I I definitely think that sometimes using the words like cozy and minimalism can help us, and sometimes they're almost a hindrance or like a a shameful thing. Like, well, I, we don't fit into those categories. And so sometimes I will just step back and think of being more intentional with what is the actual purpose of stuff? What's the purpose of pretty things in my life? Or what is the purpose of empty surfaces in my life? And at different times, based on um, our family and what we're going through and who needs to be using spaces in our home, we need our home to partner with us and provide different types of spaces. And so almost to, to think of like, create a home as a logical, like, not like a science experiment, but, you know, really does partner with us to create an environment. I love the quote from um, James Clear. He wrote that book, Atomic Habits. And he says, environment is the invisible hand that uh, shapes human behavior. And I think that's so powerful. And whether you have, maybe you're an overbuyer and you have a lot of stuff, that's fine. Or you're an underbuyer and you have a lot of stuff. But if that affect, or you have less stuff, uh, that those do affect how we feel in our house. And I think the first step is just to pay attention. And if your stuff is causing you stress or is maybe taking up too much time on the weekend to care for or is getting in your way, then that is a red flag. Or if your lack of stuff is maybe making you feel like your home is unfinished and you've been putting off making some decisions, like all of those things um, are just our home trying to tell us something. And I think a lot of times creating the home that works for us is not about starting on Pinterest or in the furniture store. It's really about sitting in the room, looking around and paying attention to how it needs to best serve our family, right now and in the next couple of years. Mm. How has this changed or how have you heard from those who follow you? How has that changed during COVID? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, Well, a lot of people are changing little spaces and rooms into their house into homeschooling rooms. And I know I have like a private uh, community of women where we can really kind of go deep and talk about this. And we've talked a lot about giving ourselves permission to make like weird temporary fixes. If that means moving the patio furniture into the kitchen, so you have two tables, if that means uh, putting up a hammock in the living room, like we are using every square inch of our home to the fullest and to really uh, give yourself permission to have fun with that, to shop your house, move things from your daughter's room into the kitchen, move uh, bookshelves out of the attic, whatever it is to really, really, really focus on function and letting your house serve you really, really well. And a lot of times hot spots like piles of things or uh, frustrations are those red flags that if we pay attention, let us know that our house is trying to say, hey, hey, you know, you need another surface in here. Hey, you need to kind of clear this area out. Just paying attention to those things and then shopping the house without having to go buy new furniture and using what you have in a new creative way. It almost is like a really special time 
for our home to uh, work with us and so that we can use what we have to the fullest in a way that maybe we'll never need to use again. And who knows, maybe in a few months we'll move everything back to normal or maybe we'll find a new way to use a room that hasn't been used a whole lot. And I feel like our I feel like our home is so happy when every room is being used really well. Mm, that is so good. Wow. What about for the person who right now maybe they've lost a job and they're struggling, you know, financially and are saying, but you know what, what are some low-cost options that people can look at just to kind of freshen things up? I love that question. And I I do think there's a myth that if we don't have the money, then we can't make any changes. And there are so many different factors that go into making changes in our home. And money is one of them. If you have a lot of money, then you can make a lot of changes. But also if you have a lot of time, then you can make a lot of changes. If you are extremely a creative person who has lots of ideas, then uh, even with less time and even with hardly any money, you're going to be able to make more changes. If you are a person who maybe owns your house or has a lot of freedom to try and take risks. So I think the first thing is just to kind of evaluate your situation and say, well, what do I have an abundance of? Maybe right now that's just time. And so to have fun on Pinterest and to pin ideas, uh, to go to the basement and grab that half gallon of paint and maybe just paint dashes on the wall or do um, a statement wall, to shop your house, to shop the garden, to look on Facebook Marketplace, which is alive right now. If you haven't been on Facebook Marketplace, you are missing out (laughs) because that is the main place people are buying and selling. And so you might be able to maybe sell a piece that you haven't been using and use that exact money to get a new fun piece. So I think uh, I call those lovely limitations when maybe uh, we feel like we can't do what we expected. But a lot of times those are the exact things in our home and in our life that spur great creativity. Mm, Lovely limitations. That is so life-giving because I think so often, even in our mindset, we think about what we can't or we don't have or what is not possible instead of going, okay, this is the, the literally the canvas uh, that I can work on. This is the, my budget. This is my space. This is my time. But in that, there's actually more freedom to do and to be more creative and to be more innovative and to take a fresh look at things. Absolutely. Now, tell our listeners, where can they find more about you and your book? Well, my favorite place to hang out, probably no surprise, is our visual social media platform, Instagram. I love Instagram because we can all share photos and hashtag things and uh, just virtually invite people into our home. So I love hanging out there. I'm uh, at The Nester. Um, and then I have some online presence. Oh, my goodness. I'm trying to think of what they are. I uh, have a website called The Academy of Home where I have just different things that I offer when when it's not COVID time. We do events at our home. We have a festival. That's my favorite thing is to really take the online connection that we have and just to invite the internet to my house. Uh, it looks a little different this year, but we'll begin doing that again in the future. Um, but, you know, Instagram is kind of my playground. That's where I hang out. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the Joycast. Thank you so much for having me, Margaret. Margaret. 